0: God, as we walk through this time together, we know that your faithfulness is with us, God. No matter what our lives look like, no matter where we're meeting, God, even if we're not being faithful, we know that you're always faithful. So God, we pray that during this difficult, weird time, we would lean on that faithfulness, God, that we wouldn't be afraid of what's out there, that we would be safe, but that we would be a light to other people, God. pray this in your son's name. You sing to believe, All right? I think that's all of us. We have uh, this week with us, we're gonna have Ben and Sarah Coltrane come up. They are missionaries that we have supported for 2015 is when you guys went, right? Is that right? 20 fall, so getting close to five years. And they are, they were just part of our own body at 12th who came out. So um, just to start with that, tell us just briefly your history with 12th. Back from the beginning in 2001 or 2002, so what what brought you here and all of that?
1: Well, it started when we came to Emporia for uh, school at ESU. Both Sarah and I are teachers. I graduated in 2000, and she graduated a couple of years after that. And we found Twelfth as our home church during that time, just after we graduated. So there are some times we had moved away Um, since then uh, for jobs or other things, um, most recently being gone overseas, but um, just right after graduating from ESU.
0: Okay. And in a minute, we'll get to exactly what you do, but where have you been before you guys came home last year? Where were you guys stationed, or where were you at those years you were there
1: so for the last four years we were overseas in the philippines um most of our team was in manila and we spent just a month with them before traveling down to the next island south of there Uh, it's called Mindoro, and it's uh, island where the population just kind of lives right around the coastal area and the majority of the island is um Uninhabited, or just very few indigenous people live in that area. So yeah, more more of a rural setting, similar to Kansas, but completely different as it's a tropical location. Yeah,
0: I, like I'm curious. Tell me, tri- t- totally different how like we don't have bananas, or I mean, what what do you, what's <laughs> give us some of those differences?
1: Well, we exchanged the the beauty of the Flint Hills for the um, the ocean that you can see for forever and sometimes you drive by uh, plantations where the rice grows and it looks just like the wheat that's coming up. So there are a few similarities there, but um, yeah, right outside of our house, uh, about this time of the year, we had a large mango tree, uh, several banana trees right around, the pineapples grew right along the sidewalk where we walked up to our house. Um, There's an avocado tree down at the bottom of the ministry center. a lot of fruit there. Um, we were a 10-minute walk away from the beach, just a beautiful beach location that was privately owned, but they allowed people to, to go there. Um, of course, we only ended up getting to go there maybe every couple of months just with the busyness of, of the ministry. But. So those are some of the things that were, yeah. we're different.
0: Wow, Oh, we've got a giant walnut tree in our yard that drops thousands of walnuts every summer. Um, so how was it that you guys came to feel that call to doing ministry in the Philippines?
1: Um, there was an um, interest by the church body and the deacon board, I believe, to go and visit missionaries that were overseas or that 12th supported and Russ and Edabauk were one of those, and one of the first ones, that the church decided to go and visit them on-site in location. They'd been they'd been there for 16 or 17 years, and it was time to go see them. So we, we overdid it just a little bit. Instead of sending one or two, uh, we sent a full team over there of adults, uh, Sarah and myself, um, youth, uh, college-age students. And we turned it into both learning about their ministry and doing small group uh, outreach type of ministry. We did feeding programs. We did street ministry. Uh, we learned about the ministry that's going on over there with Philippine Challenge. Just a, a large variety. We learned about Faith Academy and uh, how a taught there. Just a lot of different things there to expose us to what their life was like and what short-term ministry could look like.
0: Yeah. And so what was the need that you guys saw and that God called you specifically to?
1: So the last two days, um, Russ and I always encourage anyone who comes to get just a little bit of beach time, especially if you're from Kansas. So we went down to a ministry that, that was right off of the beach on Mindoro. And there's a church there that had been started by the Threads of Hope ministry. And uh, a large church, up to a thousand people, have attended at a certain time. It could house that many people. And we did a mini VBS over two days while while we were there. And um, when we weren't doing the VBS, I did a little bit of construction, and I found out that the rooms at the end of the church building were actually designed for a school that the ministry had the finances for. And that was the main interest of the local people. They said the best way you can serve us after the building of the church is to start a school. So that school does not become one of those extra things that we just hope for. It can be something that we can use to change the life of our children. And they'd already seen evidence of changing children's lives and parents' lives by the work they did through the church. So that, um, getting to see that, talking to the pastor, um, let us know about the faith they had in building that and the need that they had, and that started the conversation with the founder of Threads of Hope.
0: Yeah, and the, the Threads of Hope mm-hmm. and the school were really important for a pretty significant reason, right?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Alex Kulo and his wife, Chris, started the ministry probably about 20 years ago, not officially, but they were buying bracelets when they would go down to visit the beach, taking their, they were dorm parents at Faith Academy, and they would buy bracelets when, when they went to the beach. And they got to know two ladies really well, and continu- continued to buy from them. But then one time they went down, there's only one of the ladies there. And they said, well the other one wasn't able to make enough money. So she has found a different way to make money. Um, With a a large international dive site close by and a lot of foreigners coming down, um, there's other ways to make money there. And so Alex just became very concerned for the one who was still there that she wouldn't have to turn to it. And could they use the bracelets to start a ministry that people, don't have to be on the edge of of hunger and desperate situations, Um, buying the bracelets and then selling them could provide some finances for them, basically home-based businesses. Lots of them are moms, but even the dads and children would be involved in it. And so he started buying bracelets from them and it turned into up to 300 plus families being involved in that and we got to know them really well. few different people, and they they shared with us that selling those bracelets helps to keep rice on the table. And now that's transitioned to that's how the school is funded because the students submit bracelets to pay for their tuition. And so working together, all of that ministry uh, relies on the sale of the bracelets here Mm. in the U.S.
0: Yeah. So that's keeping women, young girls out of some mm. sexual trafficking, is that right? That's yeah, we on? would
1: say that it's a preventative measure yeah. for sexual trafficking. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's great. So tell us about what you guys did there, any updates on what's going on now. So
1: um, I think we did an update just a couple of years ago. We had an opportunity to come back for a very short amount of time. Um, so we were able to start the school that we planned to go and do. Um, we lived right there on the ministry site. And we started with uh, two grades, seventh and eighth, with 40 students and um, five teachers, and Sarah did uh, music teaching part-time for us. And as of now, um, we have grades seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, and 11, there's a 100 students who attend the school. And there are 13 employees there that have a full-time salary that's, that's continuing on. And like, right now, they're in the same situation that we are um, and they're continuing to receive the salary through um, the end of the school year, which has been cut short just, just like we have. So, um, The big piece that's changed for us is we always wanted to start the school and then transition out of leadership so that it could be under Filipino leadership. And it, it wasn't dependent upon um, foreigners or anyone else. Um, culture was a huge piece. We did a bunch of that because there's so many pieces inside of Filipino culture that's excellent for them that did not need me coming in with uh, American education to, to kick that culture out. So we tried to mesh the best of good quality education with excellent filipino culture to to accomplish a good quality school that allowed to we say allows the students to serve god in any career that they choose and so our last year there um, i transitioned out of the day-to-day by us moving up to manila and then i would Actually drive down every week for uh, a couple of days, do the critical pieces. But they started to take responsibility for the day-to-day management. We had a leadership team, not just a, a single principal, but a leadership team that did that. And we were successful. We we had our four grades, and so um, at the end of that, we started the 11th grade, which is a special senior high school. And once. Once they were ready to start that, we we needed to come back home for a time. And now it's fully under their day-to-day leadership. I am not the one standing there. I actually have a picture. I love this show sometimes where all the students are gathered for the seven-morning devotional um, flag raising. And it's the leadership team that's in front of the students, and I'm just off to the side. there in support um, and encouragement for them. So that's what we're doing right now and that's what I continue to do right now. Um, every evening about six o'clock, I start getting some messages from different people on the staff and the leadership team and I'll communicate with them. I, I still do the financial pieces. Um, we'll, we'll interview and hire a new person coming up, uh, which hopefully I'll be able to take a trip over the summer. Of course, that's uh, not for sure right now with the travel restrictions, but. Um, We're really moving strongly towards that full Filipino leadership, um, but they still need some of the support I can provide for them, just basically giving them advice about what to do, not necessarily continuing to make all the decisions.
0: Yeah, that's great. And those texts and stuff is in addition to everything I've been sending you all week long, right? Ben's been serving as our response team coordinator this week, and it's been so helpful to have you doing that. So happy to help. Appreciate it. Sarah, we've got a few pictures. Just you want to, that's, uh, this is, uh,
2: what this is The is? church um, on the left side of that is the school portion. Okay. Over here? Mm-hmm. Yes. So they were building that when we went to visit the first time. And that is the part that the school is in, where the classrooms are. And then the church meets downstairs in that open area over on the right side. And then the upper part is the basketball court. Um, Basketball is very popular in the Philippines. So it's uh, used by the community and by the school as well, and used for gym. Yeah. Looks like
0: Kansas. Looks like my backyard. (laughs) Uh, How about this shot?
2: Um, the school the last year that we were down there. So, including 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and just, th- just 10th.
0: Okay. That is so powerful, mm-hmm. that impact. Because, you know, our mission and vision here is we want to be joining God in His mission to bring all things back to Himself. So, we're all about restoring all things back to God. Mm-hmm. One person, one place at a time. And, I mean, look at these individuals, the place you just showed us. Here's Here's a place, so... What's, this is another shot.
2: Yeah, my the... classroom was actually on the top deck of the open part when I was teaching music. That's where I caught at. So very different than a classroom here. <laughs> Sometimes when the rain, it's a tin roof, so the monkeys would run on the roof or it was raining really hard. You actually couldn't talk because it was so loud. So. But very beautiful.
0: Yeah. How can we pray for you guys as a church?
1: Part of the biggest thing is for confirmation of what our next step is. Um, We were so honored to be able to join God in what He was doing at this location and establishing the church. And we feel strongly in um, being in that support role as they take over the leadership uh, position. But knowing how much support that is, we just want to be there and encourage them so that they can continue with that. I think that's an important part of any missions that happens is continued support instead of just a a short period of time. So what that looks like for us, because that's what I'm doing this year, and whether that continues as simply a hobby or if that becomes um, the focus of our ministry moving forward, that I would have loved to have that question answered by Christmas this year, um, but he hasn't made that clear to us yet.
0: Yeah. Okay. Any other things? Sarah, anything you would add?
2: Just, um, let's say to pray for the Philippines too, as you're thinking about the hard things we're going through here, they're going through the same there, although it looks different. So most people there, um, only buy food for that day that's they don't have refrigerators at their home or anything like that and so being under a quarantine when you can only go out every two to three days is a real difficulty and then also a lot of them have lost their employment they're living literally day to day or week by week and if they're not able to go out and work they don't have money so there's a real concern about people um, not having food
0: to yeah. eat. So, good perspective for us to hear that even. And you guys were living on faith support. I mean, you were supported by churches and individuals. Yeah. Even in a time like this for us, how is it important that we at 12th keep... uh, are giving up for the missionaries we support all over the world, what would you say?
1: Yeah, that that is an essential piece because that, that is where our salary comes from, is 100% from people who've said, I think that the work that's happening here is important. I want to be a part of that team. And so they financially give either each month or a certain time in the year. And and that that is what we live on right now. And so that is a huge part. Um, and I know it gets tough and during times like these where you start have to make choices between what what your money goes yeah. to. Um, but when all possible, continue those because that's that's what any missionary who's in our situation continues to live off of. Is the people who partner with them to say this is important. And so a change in that can can be drastic. I do know some missionaries who were not as financially blessed as we are, and not uh, fully funded, and they have to work other jobs on the side to continue that. So um, I, I do encourage you, if you have a missionary that you do support, uh, to continue that as much as you're possible.
0: Yeah. All right, can I pray for you guys? Sure. Lord, pray for the Coltrane's. Um, thank you so much for them responding to your call and the huge impact they had on lives there of young people and um, being a blessing and a touch of your love and doing preventative work that's keeping perhaps a whole generation of children there um, out of the kinds of work we don't wanna see young people going to, especially young women. Um, So we are so thankful that they took what was this building and they brought in all of their know-how to get this up and running. Thank you that it continues to run how they prepared local leadership for that. Pray for the Filipino people who all are struggling with this virus, as we are, but at a in a much more dire situation. As Sarah said, "Living day to day, we all look to you to meet our needs." Um, but we think especially of our of the people there and our brothers and sisters there. And then. Pray for discernment for these guys as they continue to seek to find out where is it that you're at work next that you're inviting them to join you, that you would give them wisdom and guidance at the appropriate time. Help them as they continue to live in this land between between the things and still with a little uncertainty, that you would help them to, to look to you. Thank you for their ministry and who they are and what they mean to our body. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. And- um, just wanted to, to remind you that on the church website, this is probably really hard to see, but on the tabs on our front homepage is, um, the giving link. And also on the online page, there is that. So, um, we're, trust me, we're not all here about money, but again, just, I know these guys, I've lived off of support. I know what that's like. Um, so we do want to keep funding the work that God is doing to the best of our ability. And um, so it can be giving online, it can be mailing in a check, um, just in whatever format. Um, yeah, it's kind of been, again, an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, we've found some humor in it. Um, my son, Kieran, the other day forwarded this this meme. I don't know if you can read it, but someday his grandkids are going to ask him what he was doing during the great coronavirus panic of 2020. And his answer will be, well, son, I had a very dangerous job. I was a tail gunner on a Charmin delivery truck, and there's like you, you, it's hard to see, but there's a uh, there's some guns back there where he can sit. I also, um, somebody was passing around something on text that was really funny, and this is what it said day three without sports. Found a lady sitting on my couch, apparently, she's my wife. (laughs) She seems nice. I might. Uh, I might work up the nerve to to talk to her. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, and, yeah, just the other thing. We've never done online church before, so we're all actually sitting here in our pajama bottoms with dress shirts on, uh, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> not really. I did want to show you a picture of the audience that's with us this morning. Here they are. Um, Martin Luther, we've got Yoda. And which of the Frozen girls is that? That's, uh, is that? Is that... That's Elsa. Okay. Shows you how much I love uh, Frozen. And I don't know who that dude is out in front. And as, as is with me normally, I'm always like, who's the dude in the sound booth back there? And so I thought, we got to zoom in on that guy. And wouldn't you know, it's Gandalf of all people. So how appropriate for me um, to get Gandalf in this. So just a couple of quick reminders on our, the front page of our website that our mission and vision hasn't changed um, that we still are a biblical community. We're striving to be a biblical community of Jesus, um, of people who are seeking and striving to to restore all things back to God, one person, one place at a time. And that hasn't changed. Our mission hasn't changed at all. Um, and really, truly, the church is the hope of the world. We believe that uh, we are the people with the power of the Spirit that are best equipped to do that. And just a reminder that God's, the church, it's not, uh, that we're his plan A and he doesn't have a plan B. So it's not like he's got backup things to do. So we need to keep living um, into the reality of our mission and vision. And even I've been thinking a lot about the series we just did and that our need to, to live into the rhythm of Jesus. From Christ to community to cause, that we continue to abide in him. I mean, don't we or won't we be having a lot more time to do that? So... Instead of binging a ton of Netflix, let's give God some more of our time at this time being in the Word, talking to Him, really digging into community. We can't do it the same way. I mean, I'm in here with, what, nine people right now? It's not the same as our normal thing, but um, there are ways to do community. My small group tomorrow night, we're going to meet by Zoom and do a discussion actually of this stuff that we're doing today. The weather's getting nice. Maybe get outside with some people, keep the social distance, but I think... The weather's going to bring chances to get together. Just remind you to stay in groups of 10 or less. We're taking that seriously. And then let's keep living into his cause. I think we have a great opportunity right now to do that, to live into his mission, that we can be the hope that people need to see, Um, that we will love our neighbor, that we will meet needs, that we will be a blessing to our city in whatever way we can. talked to a guy last night from the Ozarks who has invented a new uh, type of mission. He calls it a porch howdy. And he's just been going up, knocking on doors at the homes down there in his town, steps back, you know, 10 feet and says howdy when they come out and they're having these long-distance conversations. Um, Carrie Hess the other day in our task force was telling us how she did a porch howdy to an elderly neighbor, took some goods, left it at the porch, rang the doorbell, stepped back when she came out, told her, you know, wipe them, wipe the, Not the food, but the the packaging down just to be safe. They talked for a few minutes and then she asked, can I pray for you? And the lady said, I would love to. And so she did. So Carrie did a porch howdy. um, Inspired me. I went home that day and did a porch howdy with an elderly fellow who lives kind of around the block who only gets out with his dog and never talks much. And I thought it'd be a chance to see how he was doing. Karen was out with me on the walk and I went and knocked on his door, rang the bell, stepped back. He never answered. I think the problem was having Kieran along with me because it looked like my bodyguard, so maybe I'll try again uh, next week. But there's just lots of ways we can reach out. Um, and just, you know, to me, the, the thing that we really need to live into, which I shared last week, is that our need to continue to be that non-anxious um, presence among people. And last week I talked about the way we do that is we live out 2 Timothy 1.7 because God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment. And so we really want to live into that. Because there is no fear in love, and perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So we want to really live into Timothy and be that non-anxious presence that our culture so desperately needs right now. And last week I had simply shared that the way we do that is that we, we live with our with trust in God. Trusting that he's in control that He cares for us, that He is present, and that He's Keeper of my soul. And I shared that last week. Um, again, if you haven't heard that, I really encourage you to get online and listen to that if you're a part of 12th, even if you're not, because to me that was really my big response um, to this whole thing that I wanted to share with our with our body. So, But I also know the reality when we talk about being a non-anxious presence, trusting in God even as Robert shared that um, there's time fear creeps in, right? If you're watching your your retirement account portfolio, portfolio tank or whatever, uh, just other things, just hearing about changes that might come, the, that can creep in. And so I was just wanting to talk briefly about how do we move into faith out of fear when we find ourselves in that fearful place? And... Just the staff, we talked this week, and here were some things that we came up with. One, just to talk about it, to talk to others. And there's going to be a chance, um, if you haven't downloaded it before this, there is a download on that online page of um, the scripture we're going to look at and some discussion questions we'd like you to do after. And that's one of the questions is where have you found fear creeping up? So it's a good, it's healthy for all of us to acknowledge our emotions, and to be vulnerable, and it's a good way, to, I think, to teach our children to do the same by modeling that. Um, in fact, our Tuesday, Tuesday video we're going to do is going to be about how, as parents, do we speak into our children's fears. That's something we felt like was important. But speak to God, even more important. I mean, people and God, they're all important. But Philippians 4, 6-7 to 7 tells us to be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving to make our request. Made known, made them known to God, and if we do that, His promise is is that um, that His peace, which surpasses human understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So, prayer is all about just sharing my real life with God. So please keep talking to Him. Um, second, just challenge you root your identity in Jesus. It's it's easy to get unrooted from Him. Um, I don't have these on here, but. The four things that I frequently say that remind me of my identity is that I am a child of the living God in whom he delights, that I am the temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I am a citizen of God's unshakable kingdom, which is awesome, and that I am destined to share to eternal glory with Jesus that he will share with me. And those four things just help keep me rooted. That that's the reality of my life, not the economy, not what the government's doing, not the latest changes in the news, but that that's, that's where my identity is rooted. The next two, I think, are closely related. One, take action, and then just the taking your thoughts captive. Um, the whole thing with, with taking action that I have learned, which is that uh, that when I'm struggling with fear, the best thing I can do is to step into it to not run from the thing I'm afraid of, but actually step into that fear. Um, And that's what happened in Joshua 3, when they were going to cross the Jordan into the Promised Land. Um, God had opened the way at the Red Sea without them taking initiative, but when it came to the Jordan and it was at flood stage, he said, I want you to step into it first now, and when you do that, then I will part that, because he was wanting them as his people to learn to take initiative and to step into dangerous places to step into their fear and then to see him at work. And so I really challenge you if you're afraid, if you're wanting to hold, you know, just hold up at home out of self-preservation or preservation for your family to, um, you know, we, we care about that, but to be willing to step into our fear. Um, So that's something I challenge you Um, and taking our thoughts captive. I think it's, this is all kind of closely related to stepping into our fear, challenge you to really unplug some to, to, I think all the news, even last night at supper, we some of us were talking, and then Pat at some point just said, hey, how about let's get on to another topic. But, you know, get off the Internet so much. Um, let's not talk about it so much. There is something called information overload and information anxiety, and I think that's really going on right now. So um, if we could, I think if we could do some of that. Um, and then definitely, I think, to, to guard our, take captive our thoughts And to take action is quit checking your retirement count daily or hourly um, because that doesn't help just to trust God with all of those things because he has it all under control. And just kind of as I summarize that up, I think uh, finally from this summer, we talked about the principle of the path where we learned that um, direction, not intention, determines destination. Um, and one of the corollaries of that is, is that attention determines direction, which in turn determines one's destination. That where I put my attention is the direction I'll go. If you ride bikes, you know this, when you turn a corner fast, you're looking into the turn of where you're going ahead of the time. And that's, that's where your body will go to. So let's really work at at directing our attention to God and to healthy places. Because if we do that, then that will determine our, our direction. Um, and the other thing about you know, taking thoughts captive and taking action to me is if you're feeling anxiety, one, get outside, take a walk and go serve people. That has always helped me. If I feel worry or anxiety or anything rising in me, any sense of melancholy, I know that if I go serve people and focus myself and other people that those things tend to go away. Finally, one last thing that to me um, and let me read the scripture, and then I want to kind of hit my main idea. So in Isaiah 26, 3-4, this is the verse Pat shares frequently with us in, the, in times of anxiety or when things aren't going as we planned, um, where it says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. And so just let us keep our minds steadfast on him and to give direct our attention. And I know that's not always easy, so I really want to conclude with this. This is actually my main thing I want to communicate today, and it's this. Um, I think we need to put this into perspective. And we're going to read Isaiah in a few minutes to do this. Um, I think it's so easy to lose perspective. I think it's easy to lose the forest of God's reign and control. Um because of the trees of this virus and all the closings and cancellations and all of that and so i think it takes intentionality to direct my perspective to work on my perspective Um, because this king thing can look really huge and overwhelming right now it can dominate our attention and i want to share with you what i have found to be a very helpful practice with that of helping me regain perspective Um, and it's this it's To get a realistic sense of the true size of anything, you have to throw that thing up against something to function as a comparison, to lay it into relief against something else. If you want to know the true size of something, you have to put it in comparison with something else. Um, So we have to throw this virus into stark relief. You have to lay this virus up against something else to put it in its proper perspective. And I want to give you one example, one image that I hope hangs with you. Um... The coming weeks. An image that hangs with me. And it's this. I want to show you a picture. This is called the Boot Flake. It is one of the most well-known and famous rock formations to rock climbers all over the world. It's about the size of a tennis court or a little bigger than a pickle court. Pickleball court. A little narrower though. Um, but it is just a flake. It literally is a flake, though it's the size of a length of a tennis court. Um, Looked up in a dictionary, a flake is a small, flat, thin piece of something, typically one that's been dislodged from a larger piece. And this hasn't been fully dislodged, but it's kind of there precariously. Um, But it is a flake. And I want to tell you, that's a big flake. Look at the people, the rock climbers who are up on top of it. That's a big flake. That's bigger than the The frosted flakes I got at home um, that we got at Walmart this week. Um, But I want to throw this thing into sharp relief to something else. Um, And here's what we're going to do I'm going to just zoom out. Here's, if we zoom out, there's that flake. Um, Just a a little bigger perspective of it. I'm going to zoom out again. You still see the flake there? Yeah, right here. And if we zoom out, there is the flake. Um, Zooming out more, it's, it's still there but it's a lot smaller. If I zoom out even more, it's barely there. If I zoom out more, I'm getting to where I can hardly see the flake anymore. And if I zoom out all the way, it is not even visible to me, but trust me, the flake is still there. Um, do you guys recognize this rock formation? It's El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. Um, and so that flake, as huge as it is, that when you put it again in relief against something else, it gives you a sense that it isn't, though it's big, it's not as large as we can make it out to be. To a climber on that flake, it looks like the biggest thing in the world. But when you compare it to uh, El Capitan, it puts it in stark contrast. So here's what I want to do. I just want to look at Isaiah 40, and I want to let the Word of God put... um, I want to put this virus up against God, okay, our Creator, and I want to put the two things in stark relief. And so here's what it says. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And he was writing this to a people who were being invaded by an army called Babylon and their city was going to be destroyed and a lot of them killed and there was famine and a lot of them were being taken home and in the midst of that he says I want to give you a message of comfort and he says this who this is God speaking who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand Or I guess this is Isaiah about God who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded that he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers? He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes, look to the heavens who created all of these things. He who brings out the starry host one by one and he calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength not one of them is missing. Who do you complain? Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause right now is disregarded by God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40 to me is the Al Capitan that I put this virus against. And it helps me to get perspective on that. And as big as it seems that compared to God, it's actually quite small to Him. And so I want to give you a scripture to, to me for this virus is going to be the El Capitan for me. And it's Psalm eleven three to 4, which says this and asks this question. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are being destroyed... What can we do? And then David says this, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. Isn't that great? The NLT says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely. And I like how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. The bottom's dropped out of, this, of the country. Good people don't have a chance. But God hasn't moved to the mountains. His holy address hasn't changed. He's in charge, as always. His eyes take everything in. So you see, this virus, it's the boot flake. And God is El Capitan. He's our anchor. He's the one we turn to. He's the one where we direct our hope. And so I just wanted to give you that image. Perhaps it's making El Capitan uh, the screensaver on your desktop right now or on your computer just as a reminder of that reality. Um, maybe it's posting Psalm 11, 3 to 4 around the house. Perhaps it's memorizing it. Um, in the pastor's resource part on the, the page... There is a link that we're going to have a PDF. I have that verse, um, so you can cut it out if you want uh, into cards if you want to to memorize that. But I think the key is, is we take our thoughts captive, Whether we daily, we hourly place our focus on Him, our El Capitan. Um, if I were to wrap this all up, my main thought is this: Let us be the non-anxious presence that our world re- needs, that our families need, that our neighborhood needs, that our city needs. I think we do this by leaning into God and putting our trust and our hope in Him. Um, And the the way we keep ourselves anchored into that hope is we talk to others about our fears and we talk to Him and we're honest. We ask Him to help in our time of need. We root ourselves in our identity in Jesus. We take action by stepping into our fears. We take our thoughts captive and I think the main way we do that is we put all this into perspective with Isaiah 40. And... We do that by placing Isaiah 40 and Psalm 113 3 to 4 in front of us, um, giving us that view that God is the one who's in control of this situation, even though it may feel out of control. A couple of final things. If you are online with us and you're not a part of our body and you don't have a relationship with God and you're just checking all this out and you're seeking and you're not sure, what your next steps are, I want you to know that uh, if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, we're going to have some resources on that online page. If you go down to the bottom, there will be a place you can click and watch a couple of really short videos that will talk to you about the good news of Jesus in more detail. Um, we are going to keep everybody updated on that COVID nineteen page, or as some of us are calling it, the page of the virus that shall not be named. Um, we will keep things up on there. Um, you can download, download that discussion guide. It's on, on there under the pastor's resources, I believe, to discuss with your family, with small groups. Um, the children's material is on there. I encourage you to be back Tuesday to watch whatever we post up on there. Um, one other final thing, if you're not in a life group and you want to be in one, you can't join one physically. But if you're like, I'm not in a life group, but I want to join an online one that's new, on that page at the bottom of the online page you can uh, click a link and email us and tell us that you want to be part of a group and we can make that happen if we can help in any way let us know and we will see you next sunday and i think we should end with a final song so robert we'll trade out